It's the experience of individuals uh, who were then alive in various kinds of, of contexts, various sorts of environments which allowed them to bring culture to a full range of, 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 of historical perfection, to allow them to practice a set of ideas that were animated by the re recovery of classical antiquity, that will allow them to come to terms with the reinvention, almost, of the autonomous self. And in so doing, we're going to look at one of the platforms in which Western civilization is really built. A moment before the scientific and rationalist revolution, a moment when the individual self was largely born and defined. A moment when culture reached a point that it's still very much with us. If someone stops you and asks you about the Italian Renaissance, your response is probably immediately to use uh, an art object or a, an artist as an example. You will say Raphael, Michelangelo, Leonardo da Vinci because in many ways the Renaissance is best explained by culture and art. And that's the approach I'm going to take in this course. We're going to begin about the time of Petrarch, Francesco Petrarca, an Italian poet who was born in 1304 and died in 1374. We're going to go through the various states of the Italian peninsula and look severally and simultaneously at the various aspects that constitute the study of the past. We're going to then have an interdisciplinary approach. In order to study the Renaissance, you have to have an interdisciplinary perspective because it can't be reduced to a single point of view. In order to fully understand the great complexity of Italian Renaissance culture, we have to look at it from the, not only the perspectives of those who are creating art objects and creating culture, but those who are creating the social, political, and economic context in which that culture could actually occur, that made it possible, that provided the surplus wealth for the creation of art, that provided the patronage that allowed art to flourish. This, in fact, is the way the Renaissance has been studied almost from the definition of the Renaissance as an historical period. In particular, I'm going to follow the model of Jacob Burckhardt, who was a Swiss esthete and art historian, really art critic, of the middle of the 19th century. In 1860, he wrote a book called The Civilization of the Renaissance in Italy, which he didn't even call a book. He called an essay. This essay, looked at the Renaissance from several different disciplinary perspectives in, uh, in, 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 in their own terms. What he did was define the tesserae that together make up a mosaic. Put the pieces together and you will see how cultural history, and he defined the term, really functioned. That idea of cultural history, Kulturgeschichte as he called it in his original German, is the way that the Renaissance is still in many instances studied. And in order to do it properly, then, we have to sustain this to some degree, even though the modern disciplines that Burkhardt himself never fully developed, such as economic history, elements of social history, women's history, these things need to be added in order to make sure that the picture is fuller and richer than he could have ever imagined. So we're going to look at social history. We're going to look at the needs of people in general, how they lived, how they worked, the places they lived, the places they worked, in order to see how society changed from the Middle Ages up until the 16th century. We're going to have to look at economic history because we now know so powerfully that without surplus capital, art cannot be created. Oscar Wilde famously observed that all, all art is useless, and he's right. You can't eat it, you can't live in it, but without it, our civilization would be so much poorer. But we have to understand those economic imperatives that will allow for art to be created and ask why the connection between the wealth of the Italian cities and the efflorescence of that culture. 
we're going to have to look at the complex cultural and intellectual history of Renaissance Europe as well. We're going to have to see how Italy fit into this model, how Italy was able to break away from a world that was still dominated in many ways by the elements of scholasticism, Aristotelian philosophy, and the traditions that we associate so closely with those of the northern feudal dynastic monarchies. Overall, then, my approach is going to be interdisciplinary and Burkhardian. And here, it's time for a confession. I am a Burkhardian and continue to practice this form of interdisciplinary history. I recognize its limitations, but at the same time, I feel after 25 years of reading and studying this subject, it's the only way to make full use of the richness of its experience. My interdisciplinary approach, though, will not be a singular linear progression. I'm not going to begin at the beginning and end at the end, because to some extent, the beginning is unclear and the end is extremely obscure. What we need to do, rather, is to follow a general...